1: started studying I wasn't afraid anymore I didn't lack knowledge I didn't perish I wasn't destroyed I was at peace because I knew that God would not allow us to go through a great tribulation it may look like it now it may look like it now Haiti just had a 7.1 that's not the first time now they're looking at a storm you know we see what's going on our nation So listen, we need to be ready.
0: Jesus loves His bride so much that He gave His life for her. Pastor Eddie reminds you today that you are part of the Bride of Christ. And if Christ loved you enough to die for you, you can rest assured that He won't allow you to go through His wrath. As you study the Scriptures, the end-time prophecies sound kind of frightening. But know that those judgments described are not intended for the believer. Jesus' bride is made up of believers, and... He promised to deliver his bride. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Rapture.
1: We're going to read from verses 13 all the way down to the end of chapter 4, and that'll be verse 18. Verses 13 to 18 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul writes, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. As we opened up before we began First Thessalonians, we discovered that Paul had wrote this letter to the Thessalonians not only to encourage them as they were growing in faith in the midst of persecution... Not need to teach them to please God and how to walk, how to love, how to walk in harmony, how to walk in honesty. But he also wrote to the Thessalonians concerning the coming of Christ. Concerning the coming of Christ and how they are to walk in anticipation of his coming. And we find out throughout all scriptures how we are to walk in anticipation of the coming of Christ. If we don't believe in the coming of Christ, then we don't believe in the same Jesus that's written in the Bible. We ought to be ready. We ought to not be ignorant. And so you see, the Thessalonians, they were concerned. Paul only spent three weeks with them. In the book of Acts chapter 17, it says he's only spent three Sabbaths with them. And so in three weeks, they gave their lives to the Lord. Paul teaches them about the gospel of Jesus Christ using the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't written by that time. But he also talked about the afterlife. What would happen after death? What would happen to believers? What would happen in the second coming of Christ? And so they didn't have too much of schooling in that area of eschatology, and so they were concerned. The Thessalonians were concerned that those who died before them, those that had died, that they would miss the return of Christ. That was their thought. And remember, Timothy was sent to see how they were doing, and that's the message Timothy brought back. He said, they're growing, they're thriving, they're doing great. But there's one problem. They don't understand a little bit about the second coming or the coming of Christ. And so that is why Paul includes that in this letter. That is this section of the letter that we're about to study this morning. Verses 13 to 18. Now. Throughout the centuries, people and people have had all kinds of ideas of what would happen when a person dies, what happens to their soul, what happens to their body, can we bury them, should we only bury them and not cremate them? Is that in the Bible? What happens to those who had died right now, those who had died in Christ, where are they right now? And all those we're going to answer this morning, we're going to find in the scripture. And so all these questions will be answered. And so let us, we read our text, let us now study it verse by verse. Let's look at verse 13. Verse 13, Paul opens up by saying, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now he's a good pastor. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He's a good shepherd. And I think every shepherd, every pastor should have a concern of how much Bible their congregation knows. And this is the heart of Paul. He's concerned. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. But more importantly, this is God's concern. Little do we know that God is concerned and how much we know of him and his word. I mean, we, we consider that when we have a relationship, do we not, between a husband and wife. How much we know each other, that's important. And can you imagine you're in that relationship and the only things you knew is the same things that you knew when you first met? It doesn't make sense. But to God it means so much. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says this. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Now when the Lord said my people, he's not talking about people. He says my people. Those who believe in God. My people perish. They're destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And that is the case with most Christians. They have no idea of the end time, eschatology, the end time, the book of Revelation, or the end times that have been written, not only in the New Testament, but throughout the whole Bible in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophecies that confirm the events that would take place in Revelation. And so we need to also not be ignorant of this. So Paul's not only writing to the church of Thessalonica, he's writing to you and I today. Don't want you to be ignorant concerning these things. And so there are a lot of people who have a lack of knowledge of biblical eschatology. Eschatos is in the Greek. Eschatos, which means last. And it simply means the study of last things. And so that is the reason why many people who are avoiding the book of Revelation, they avoid teaching it. And I think in this fellowship, we taught it together chapter by chapter, verse by verse, at least three times, I believe. I've taught it at least seven times because it's important. When I grew up, I had no understanding of the end times. I was afraid as a Christian. I was afraid of going through the great tribulation. And we find in scriptures that we will not go through the great tribulation. Okay? We are not appointed to wrath. We serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And yesterday, he was the God that actually had Enoch who walked with him for 300 years. It was no more. The same God yesterday... That did not judge Sodom and Gomorrah until his people, Lot and his family, left Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels actually took them by the hand, literally, and said, listen, we cannot do anything until, until you are out of here. And even Abraham on the other side of the land was, you know, talking to the Lord. Lord, if there's 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, would you judge it? Lord said, if there's 50, I won't do it. Lord, if there are 40 righteous people if they're 40 i won't destroy it do i hear 30 do i hear 20 10 if they're 10 is it oy vey, let's go get lot okay and that's what the lord did the lord did not bring fire brimstone sodom and gomorrah until he physically the angels took him out of sodom and gomorrah as soon as that family was out sad thing that his wife wanted to be that's why she turned to a pillar of salt she didn't want to leave the world behind I forgot, I skipped one, (laughs) Noah, right? The Lord said, I would judge the world with a flood, and he saved Noah, the only righteous people. Isn't that the same God that we serve? So why would we go through the great tribulation? We're not. Later on, Paul says, we're not appointed to wrath. Jesus says, pray that you would not go through these things, that you would miss it. And so we're not appointed to wrath. God wants his bride. He wants his church. And many of you men who got married, you know you wanted to get married right away. That's how the Lord's heart is. He wants his bride. He's not gonna allow his bride to suffer the wrath and so this is very important for us to understand. So we serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. But when I was a kid, I was always afraid. I thought, I had no understanding of the end times. I had no understanding of Revelation. I thought we were going to go through it. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to study it. I'm not going to actually listen to what people say, and that's what I do. I get a chunk here, a the chunk there, and I put it together. that don't make sense. I leave it alone. I'm afraid. But you know what? That is why the Bible, the book of Revelation, Two times it says, blessed is he, two times. Of all 66 books in the Bible, the only book in the Bible is Revelation. Two times it says this. Those who read and keep the prophecy of this book will be blessed. I'm going to read it to you. I don't have it up there. I think I'm going a little bit out of my uh, (laughs) notes here, but I think it's important. Blessed is he, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is he who reads, read it first. He who hears the words of this prophecy. And keep the things which are written. And then at the very end, the very last chapter, in Revelation, he goes on to say, I think in chapter 22, he said, blessed is he, behold, I am coming quickly, verse 7 to 22. Blessed is he who reads the words of this prophecy and keep it. You're going to read it, you're going to be blessed. And when I did read it and I started studying, I wasn't afraid anymore. I didn't lack knowledge, I didn't perish, I wasn't destroyed, I was at peace because I knew that God would not allow us to go through a great tribulation. It may look like it now. It may look like it now. Haiti just had a 7.1. That's not the first time. Now they're looking at a storm. You know, we see what's going on in our nation. So listen, we need to be ready. Paul says, do not be ignorant. Do not be ignorant. We need to study the end times. Well, let me just get some terminology and some words here out of the way. End times is not in the Bible, but if I say it, you know what I'm talking about. Second coming, those two words, is not in the Bible. But if I mention it, you know what I'm talking about. It's talking about Jesus coming with his church, okay? He came the first time, and he died on the cross. Second time, he's coming for his bride, okay? And this is like the word Trinity. It's not in the Bible. We believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The word Bible is not in the Bible, but we know we call it the Bible, right? Some people get technical, and we're going to get some other words that some people believe that are not in the Bible, but they're going to be corrected wrong because if they study the Bible, they'll know it's there. But anyhow, let's move on. And so Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant. It's just like the Lord. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand these things. And there are Christians who are living in the way they live their lives. Kind of seems as if they don't believe in the coming of Christ. They don't believe in the rapture. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, said, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You do not know. You can figure all you want. You come with signs and people had the blue moons, people had this, and they go to the Jewish calendar, and, you know, guess what? We're still here. <laughs> you know, when people say, oh, I believe, you can believe all you want, but I've now come to respond this way. I believe God. I'm going to say, no, you're wrong. You know why I'm going to say that? Number one, if they're right, we get to heaven, right? But when we get to heaven, they're not going to say, see, I told you. That's not the heart we're going to have in heaven. But I'm going to say no, because when it does happen, I'm going to stick to what Jesus said. We don't know. What would come with these formulas? Leave it alone. We don't know. Verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. Now, the phrase falling asleep is mentioned five times in the New Testament. It's a Jewish euphemism, and it means death. That's what they say. He has fallen asleep. It means death sleep is pretty much the perfect metaphor when you look at a dead body in a coffin it looks like they are sleeping and that's when the soul and the spirit departs the body the physical body it just lay there it seems like they're sleeping now the greek word karymateeron it means a sleeping place a sleeping place that's in the greek it's not in the bible but this is the greek word for it but if you were to spell it out in english it comes out in our language a pronounce cemetery. Cemetery is where the body of the deceased are laid once their souls and spirit depart from the body. Now for the record, for the record, nowhere in the entire Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament does God command the burial of the body of the deceased to that's the only method of taking care of the body. Nowhere. Nowhere. The same way with cremation. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us we cannot cremate the body. That's not in the Bible. So when somebody says, oh, you shouldn't cremate the body? I said, show me in the Bible. Show me in the Bible where God says you can only bury the body. Show me in the Bible where the Lord says he's against cremation of the body. I think God doesn't care. What he cares about is the soul. That's the important thing. But we get religious, legalistic. We come with some rituals. We come with some traditions. And all of a sudden, that's what God's going by. Because your tradition, God's going to say, oh, that's your tradition? Okay. No, God doesn't care. Because the Bible doesn't mention anything. The reality is, what happens in three hours in cremation is the same thing that's going to happen in 30 years, maybe 40 or 50, depending on how they take care of the body. And the body's taken care of, the body's mummified, then pretty much nothing, but pretty much, you know, you know I kind of study these things to look at it, just to know, because you know, people always ask me these weird questions, because you're a pastor, what happens to the body? Well, you know, and how the organs, and <laughs> gross. In less than 24 hours, you start smelling. You know, when they used to mummify the body, they took all the organs out of the nostrils, the brain. The, it was weird, it's crazy. But all that preparation, for what? But what? You're going to return to dust. You're going to return to dust. And that is exactly what happened. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God created us from dust, right? And it says, and the Lord God formed man out of dust, out of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Formed it out of dust. He breathed into it. Through his mouth, he breathed into it in life. And now here we are. Now, women, you can actually say this. You can have an argument with your husband. Women were born out of the river, man. Man was born out of dust. You're dust. You're dirt. Not just kidding. Don't get into any fights. I don't want any counseling section. <laughs> but technically, right? Right? Okay, so anyway, please don't. Don't do that. The purpose of the mass is to encourage you. So what happens when man sinned, the fall of sin? What happened with the Lord's sin in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19? It said, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Ecclesiastes say it again. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 20. It says, all go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to dust. We will return to dust. But you see, in the garden, God breathed life into man made out of dust but here's a beautiful thing when you look at the new testament what happened you remember when jesus was crucified and the disciples started to hide and they boarded up the windows and the doors because they thought they were going to be arrested and so everything was closed the doors were, i mean it was sealed the windows were sealed and jesus they don't know what happened to jesus and jesus all of a sudden appears in that room poof right that's a glorified body you and i would have right he's all of a sudden he said how did he get in what did Jesus say to them? I love this. John chapter 20, verse 22. He says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. That is that breath that comes from the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is what gives us eternal life. God gave us life in the beginning. We died. We sinned. We rebelled. We are dying day by day. That's why we're born to die. We weren't, God was, we weren't created to die. But now here comes Jesus because of the cross. Here's where eternal life comes in. So Christians, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're buried or if you're cremated. Ultimately, the thing is the great thing is that God knows where you are. If he created man from dust from the very beginning, even if there was just a little speck of dust left of you. You know, we thought about this, and I actually had conversations with people after September 11th. And some of those people's bodies weren't found. It just disintegrated. One of our first fellow police officers was a detective. He died of lung cancer and lung. His lungs collapsed and they found bone fragments in his lungs. And so sometimes we think of these ashes, they're blown into the wind. As if God doesn't know where they are, as, as if God cannot put it together. He did it in the garden. He did it in the very beginning. He knows where your ashes are, your dust are. He's not going to say, Oh, Eddie, I'm sorry you're headless today. (laughs) You know, he's going to give us a glorified body. And that's the beautiful thing. Me, I tell Judy, cremate me. What's cheaper? Go with that. Get the cheapest deluxe. Whatever. Just cremate me. Put me in a wooden box. Make it. I don't care. Whatever is... It doesn't matter. I prefer that. I tell you why. I don't want my body laying down. People are going to look at my body and say, oh, he lost weight now. <laughs> you know, they're going to look at my body and say, no. Meanwhile, my mouth is glued together. My hands, I mean, and at the same time, I'm not really making fun of those who have died. I'm just saying for me, I don't want that. I don't want people looking at me like that. I don't want that to be the last image of me. More important, I don't want Judy to spend that much money. God knows what to do, trust me. Now, I wanna go in, there's two kinds of deaths in the Bible, two kinds of deaths. First, we had the physical. And that is uh, what Paul is speaking of here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. It's written in other of his epistles. We're going to also see that in 2 Corinthians in a little bit. But that is when the soul and the spirit separates from the body. The soul and the spirit separates from the body. It's just the body. It, that's it. It's just a shell. That's it. It's just a shell. When you go to the ocean, you go by the beach, see a shell. Once it was a clam. It's now a shell. It's just it. It's done. And so. We are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. The body, of course, is the physical part. That is the outer part of us. And in, in the inner person is, is expressed and recognized by that body. And our body is material, is tangible, and, of course, is temporal. You're at right, 10 out of 10 people, right? Going to die, right? Then you have the soul. Here's the soul. This is what really, where people get confused. The soul is the mind, is the conscious, the emotion. is where we think and reason, and is the seat of our personality. So that's who you are. That's the defines who you are, because based on your Mind and your conscious, and you know, and your emotions that's the soul. The spirit is what God gives you. The spirit is what God gives you. It is the highest and most unique part of us that enables us to communicate with God because God is what spirit. He is spirit. That's why when we worship Him, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay, He is spirit. Before you were born again, before you were saved, before you became a Christian, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says that you had the spirit of disobedience. You had the spirit of disobedience before you came to Christ. But now through Jesus Christ, we are born again. We have now the Holy Spirit in us to help us with our spirit to communicate. So we will walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, right? And so this is what guides us and leads us. And this is the part of us that we worship God. And unlike the body, here's what's important. Unlike the body, we put so much emphasis in the body. The world does. But unlike the body, the soul and the spirit is eternal. Is eternal. It will outlast your body for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Not billions because I'm not an evolutionist. Okay? And it's going to be very soon. It's going to be very soon. And so, the body is not eternal. But the spirit and the soul is, and that would outlast the body. However, however, it depending who's your God, it depending where is your faith.. I'm
0: running the race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of First Thessalonians with us here on running the race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter. But our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to RunningTheRaceRadio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at RunningTheRaceRadio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry
1: would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the loss to be reached over the radio
0: is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into
1: producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a
0: Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time right here on Running the Race.